Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Yeah, hoping to make it better. Well, that's definitely uh, what we're doing. We're planning on making it better. We're not just hoping. And we are, have given ourselves to the mission and the task of making it better, not by ourselves by any stretch, but by making ourselves available to the Lord. That's, that's what the new covenant is all about, and that's what we're all about here, taking God's grace that he gives so freely to us and turning it out to people who are around us. And uh, so that's what we do, and it's Tuesday night, and we are going to be uh, having a very special guest tonight, like we always do, almost always, um, is, is, is have a guest on. And uh, we are right now in a very interesting series talking about the 12 steps, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous 12 Steps. And relating those 12 steps to all of us. Where, where do they relate? Where, where can we all fit in to, to this program? Because we realize that these steps were created not just by anybody, but they were created by Christians who understood the word of God. And uh, they understood human nature as related to, to our relationship with God and to sin and to the struggles that we all face. So uh, there is a wealth of information here and, and also something about general overall attitude, uh, which I believe uh, needs to be much more common uh, with, with Christians than it is. And, uh, We'll, we'll be delving into that a little bit with our guest tonight. And I, I just can't, I'm so excited he's going to be with us. I, I've told you many times that um, I love to have on this show uh, pe- my favorite people and uh, get a chance to expose you to them. And this guy is high on my list. He is and he is so perfect. I can't think of anybody more perfect to talk about our subject matter um, than Jens Christie, who is the staff pastor at a Ca- a Capistrano Beach Church in Capistrano Beach, California. Uh, he is the associate pastor of recovery. He is a certified addiction counselor and mental health worker. Uh, he works in the care department at church, counseling individually people, and he teaches classes, and he's t- taught the 12 steps uh, before the cows started coming home. So uh, 
uh, this guy is, uh, and I'm not even going to tell you how old he is. We're going to say, I'm going to make you listen <laughs> all the way to the end. And, 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 and then we'll find out at the end um, if he's ever going to retire, which I know he won't. So, uh, but please, please welcome, please welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Jens Christie. Jens, thanks for joining us. Good evening, John. Uh, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, discuss the 12 steps. Uh, they've been dear to my heart and certainly dear to many hearts uh, since 1935, mm-hmm. which is when they were originated. Yeah, yeah. Jens, let's talk in, in just to start out uh, talking in general. I want to talk, in, I, you know, I'm going to let you pick which way to go here. I, I want to talk some about just the 12 steps in general and what the program means to and, and, and how it can translate. Can it? I, I need you to address, can it translate to all of us? And, 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 and basically, how can we ha- access what's helpful to us? And then also the whole idea of addiction. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so wh- which one do you want to take first? Well, let's see. Uh, Let's just talk about first um, its influence and uh, value to uh, just to in general to to everyone. Uh, I've been a strong proponent that uh, everyone should take uh, the 12 steps. And, of course, we are now using it in other uh, uh, addictions. Uh, if you want to call it codependency, one, uh, the codependents mm-hmm. have a 12-step program. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the, I know a company that uh, recently contacted me. They wanted to teach the 12 steps, go through it with all their employees. Uh, the self-examination wow. and what it brings out, um, you know, I, I think, in, in other words, it's about making a commitment to ourselves to grow up. And uh, and with the spiritual principles and application to things that we do every day, and the truth of the matter is, is that we probably know less about ourselves than anybody does. Uh, partly because we want to bury all the things that we don't like uh, about ourselves, and yet they have an influence on our lives. And so these twelve steps very carefully take you through. Uh, and certainly, if anything else, mm. it'll make you humble. Um, so uh, mm. I teach a step a month to about a 80 to 100 people. Uh, we're going through it now, beginning our fourth year. Most of the people that I deal with, well, probably 100% of them, uh, are in addiction, or I should say are in recovery and the, mm. they'll always be in recovery. Uh, you're not going to get recovered until you're in heaven. And uh, this is kind of going to help you and prepare your way there. Wow. Wow. Um, so, Jens, can we say, uh, would it be accurate to say that we're all, uh, we all struggle with addiction in some form? Uh, yes, we do. I mean... Uh, you can almost, uh, in some form, their habits, if you will, uh, and, and we talk about good and bad habits and, and breaking them. 
And that's what we do in the 12-step program is to break uh, our bad habits. And they could be anything from, of course, from gambling to drinking to drugs to uh, shopping to, uh, you know, right on down the line. Anything that we can do to numb ourselves and not think, which is essentially Mm. what's behind uh, the people's use of drugs. And, of course, alcohol falls into that classification. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's many things, uh, you know, we can drug ourselves with, whether it's uh, working out, uh, overworking ourselves, go to the gym, working out, whatever it may be. And to break those habits uh, and addictions, you have to take a hard look at yourself and see what they're doing to you. Mm. What the addictions are doing to you, uh, right? Talk talk about. Can we talk about that? A little, talk about that a little bit more. How how can uh, you know, how do we do that? Well, of course, one of the self examinations uh, that we make of ourselves is and do for ourselves is to look at the consequences of our poor uh, decision making. Now, God gave us all free will, of course, that we might have the opportunity to choose to love him of our own accord. But um, the, um, the uh, hang on a minute here, I just, I'm going to try to break in my line. Um, When we look at the consequences and they are so bad uh, that, and, and those consequences don't appear to really be a deterrent to what we're doing, that's the time when we mm. bottom out and, and make a decision to, uh, to get help. And those consequences can range from anything from domestic violence to a DUI uh, to a loss of job uh, to, you know, making a spectacle of yourself somewhere. But those are the consequences. The problem is that people in addiction are very bright. Uh, we know that if they take an international IQ test, Mensa, they score very high. And the, and that reason is because uh, they're smart enough to think that they can beat the odds. And, and, uh, and they discontinue. Hmm. But uh, it really, getting back to this, it, it takes courage to get into this uh, program. You know, it's getting back wow. to step four. It's not by accident that the description of that step uh, specifies that we must be fearless. Um, and that mm-hmm. pride and fear has got to be overcome in order to complete the thorough self-examination. Now, you know, this you moral, know. Inventory, moral inventory is not a new idea. The Old Testament assumes that it's going to be a part of the life of God's people. Lamentation says, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Uh, If you recall, Mm. even in communion, Paul says a man ought to examine himself before he eats of this bread and drinks of the cup, 1 Corinthians. So this moral inventory we take in step four, it's not intended to cause um, despair. It's an opportunity to look at ourselves uh, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, David, uh, I'm thinking of David, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, you know, know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any wicked way in me. Wow. That's a good one too, isn't it? Yes. The scriptures are full of, 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 of this kind of thing, which we really, boy, you, you, uh, you sure opened my eyes with that statement about <laughs> we, we probably know less about ourselves than anyone does. Uh, that's that is an amazing statement, Jens. Um, can you talk about that just a little bit more? Um, how that how that comes to be, and and what we can do. How do we how do we learn more about ourselves? Well, the problem is a lot of us uh, don't want to go into that deep corner uh, because. Mm-hmm. When we go there, we're not so sure what we do can do with what we find. And, of course, uh, obviously as Christians, the, the element of forgiveness is, you know, is what we lean on. I mean, God uh, it's, forgives us unconditionally. In fact, I, I think that God forgives things that we haven't even done yet, if you take a hard look at it. Uh, which should really be uh, add strength to the mm-hmm. decisions that you make. But, um, you know, we rarely like what we see when we examine uh, the innermost corners of our beings, but it has to be done, and it's got to be done thoroughly. And if we if we don't, Without, if we don't really begin search, searching and be fearless, the, the fourth step is of no value. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's often unpleasant to look at ourselves at our worst, and we have we have to come to grips with our imperfections, uh, because it's a lot of times these imperfections would cause a relapse. And unfortunately, I don't like to say this; some people will dispute it, but. Uh, relapse is, is a part of recovery, and we know that the uh, person in, in recovery um, faces that that fear, mm-hmm. and there are triggers mm-hmm. uh, triggers that cause that, and you try to avoid that. Uh, you know, you've got to understand that addiction is a disease. Your brain has been hijacked, uh, hijacked to the point that. Uh, that's why you have to go into recovery and go through these steps and to understand that why you can't do this by yourself. You go back to step one, my life's out of control and it's unmanageable. Why? You know, why? And I, I, unfortunately, I think, uh, I find the, the, the clergy and the ministry are probably the least I- informed about this because uh, laying hands mm. on them and praying uh, it, it may, you know, I don't know what the odds are of that, and I do believe in prayer, but uh, that's not going to be the answer. And asking them to just quit, that, you know, that's that's not going to happen mm. because there are people, obviously, who want to get out of this bind, and if they could quit on their own, they'd do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it sounds... Jens, it sounds like um, you can't you can't sit down by yourself with the twelve steps and go through them and uh, and, and and be done with it. Uh, 
it, it seems like you have to do this somehow with 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 someone else. Isn't that right? Yes, of course, and that's why people that are in recovery go to meetings. You know, so, okay. my my name is John. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, mm-hmm. and they they circle up in a room. You go all the way around and and you listen to each person uh, say that it, to to reaffirm because you're not going to talk yourself out of this disease. Um, hmm. So, but the m- meetings are important, uh, and they're all over the place. Uh, they, you know, there's a little book. Uh, that you, comes out uh, periodically, showing you every city uh, in in the country uh, where the meetings are being held. Uh, inc- incidentally, interestingly enough, a good, large percentage of them are being held in in churches uh, where they they pay a minimal amount of money to gather there. Um, I have uh, eleven self support groups here at this church. Uh, we have Al-Anon and Adult Children of Alcoholics, and some of the programs are faith-based. Not all of them are. Uh, as you said earlier in the program, uh, back when this started, yes, it was started by Christians, and their the higher power they refer to is uh, Jesus Christ. But as more people got into the program, what were you going to do with uh, Buddhists or people of different mm-hmm. faiths where there isn't uh, yeah. Jesus. So you have to get them out of themselves and to your God as you understand them or a higher power or somebody that you're committed to that's stronger than yourself. Mm, I see. Yeah. Um, that was actually as far as that was pretty smart. Um don't you think that that those guys who who started this in 1935 made it uh, that way? Do you think it because of that it, it's been able to go farther than if it was always a Christian thing? Well, yes. I mean, you can't say uh, run around as a as a treatment counselor uh, to someone saying that you're not going to get sober unless you accept Christ. I mean, really, mm, yeah. it's a little presumptuous. So, but the, the the strength of the twelve step program is that every one of those steps has a scriptural support, and so whether or not whether or not that mm. person knows mm. that it's Christ, they're dealing with biblical and scriptural principles, which we know as Christians. Uh, are, are going to have an effect because they've had an effect on our uh, on our lives before they were incorporated in the twelve step program. Yeah, yeah. Um, would it would it would we be better off? I, I'm kind of a believer in the fact that I think church should be in some ways more like a recovery group. Um, would you agree with that? Um, and and if if so, how how could we help that maybe come about? Well, 
When you say more like a recovery group, explain that a little bit. I think, I guess I'm, what I, what I'm thinking about is more, more honesty and, and more ability for, you know, uh, to be able to, you know, I'm, I'm John and I'm a sinner, um, for instance, and, and to be welcomed into the church rather than, oh, dear, you know, what have you done? You know, and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure we want you in this group. <laughs> you know, just and there's a bottom line with AA that, that just makes it so much easier for people to be in process and to be who they are and to not worry about being judged and, uh, you know, and, and – and, and, and that's what I'm thinking of, uh, those aspects. You know, it's, it's interesting you bring up a point because uh, uh, I, I've been dealing uh, with these, uh, with people in recovery as individuals in the group for a long time. And I want to tell you that you, you want to see some real honesty and see some real love. You just see it in these people. They're bound by this common disease of addiction, knowing knowing that they have to uh, take it uh, a day at a time, and that they've all have suffered the consequences of some bum choices, and and, and when they get in, because there's a time of sharing, uh, they get in a circle. And it's called, they put a noun to it, it's called a share. And that person will sit there Mm -hmm. and tell just the horrible events that uh, his addiction has caused in his life. And I'll tell you, you think you've heard the the worst of it, and along comes the next person. And they're not ashamed, Mm -hmm. they're not ashamed, uh, because they're all, as I say, they're all uh, bound by the mm-hmm. consequences of their bum decisions. and But there is a lot of love. I mean, and I see people mm-hmm. come in, and I, I'm dealing with people that come in from these treatment centers, and they've come from all over the United States. Many of them are hundreds and hundreds of miles from home because you've got to get them away from those circumstances in the environment and peers and the triggers mm-hmm. that got them into this mess in the first place. Oh, I see. But, um, and, you know, they... They cite the, recite the serenity prayer. I'm sure you know it. Uh, mm-hmm. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that was written by an old German theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr. And what most of um, the people who recite this, which uh, is done at every, every meeting, is that they don't know that's only the first part of the prayer. And uh, and I often will make sure that they hear it uh, and stand up and read it. But it goes on to say, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world, as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right, if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him 
forever in the next. Beautiful. Taking wow. one day at a time. One day at a time. Wow. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in recovery. You're still going to take it one day at a time. And isn't that what yeah. we're told in so many, I don't say, I'm trying to find a word here, how often, but it's living in the present. We can't do anything about the past and the screw-ups and the tragedies that we've taken. And who in the world knows what's going to happen tomorrow? If I had a, you and I had a crystal ball, we'd probably be the first two guys out of town. I mean, it's just, that's why this whole thing of mindfulness uh, is so popular today. It's smelling the flowers today, appreciating what you have today, looking around you, being conscious of of yourself instead of running away from it, which is why most of these people are in addiction. They've run from their issues, some of their problems. Now, we know that there's a strong predisposition, especially in alcoholism, uh, to... uh, uh, genetics, and almost everybody mm-hmm. has somebody in their family, either in the immediate generation or the next, uh, that had the disease. But uh, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, that you're done, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. there's so much a com- camaraderie between, uh, you know, I mean, you just see big guys that have <laughs> really been in trouble in embracing each other, uh, it just warms your heart. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, back to that whole idea of, of as we get together as Christians, um, to create an, a similar environment where there's no shame, there's no judgment, and there's nothing to prove. We're not competing spiritually. Uh, with anybody we are forgiven sinners uh, saved by grace and we are just so overwhelmed by God that uh, we can't believe we get to be here and and here we are with all of our brothers and sisters and uh, and it, it just doesn't get any better than this yeah, um, I just I just wish we could do that more. Why is it so hard to get to that? Why do you need a 12-step group to get to that? <laughs> well, I want to brag a little bit. Um, I hear a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people here in town call us a, a recovery church, and uh, yeah. and I'm I'm very proud of it uh, because I think the atmosphere that I spoke to you about amongst the people in recovery has permeate, permeated the church because people learn, have seen uh, these people mm-hmm. that are in recovery and see how much they appreciate life and appreciate uh, who they are and where they are. Uh, and it's, for example, you show me somebody that loses his humility, and I'm going to show you somebody that's going to relapse in about 30 days. Uh, mm. So you can see, you just have such a great appreciation, and you share it. Now, mm. I mean, should we not do that as 
people who are uh, have been saved? You know, should we uh, share our the joys of our salvation uh, and where we are uh, with each other? I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should come up with a a, a new twelve step program. Uh, and I. <laughs> And I, I can, I, I lack that uh, to start with. Hey, my, my name is Jens, and I'm a sinner. Because you mm-hmm. can't get away from that. There's just no getting, right. no walking around that. So now, is, right. w- what, what, what am I going to do? How do I recover <laughs> from being a sinner? Well, guess, guess what? You will always be a sinner. Well, guess what? You're. Your alcohol, disease of alcoholism is not going to go away. So thou, can you teach me to live as a sinner? Can you teach me? I can, well, wow. can you teach me to live as an alcoholic? Yes. You're going to follow these steps. You know, I'm going to take a, you know, when we're done here, I'm going to take a hard look at that. I'm going to see... I, I, I see what what we could do, what one would do to uh, rewrite that. I can see wow. I'm going, mentally I'm going through these steps, especially this fourth step. This is a, this is a big one. You know, it, yeah. it's it's very difficult. It's important. It's a process of accepting my flaws, and of course recognizing my strengths, but. Um, that isn't. Of course, you're always going to need support. I mean, don't expect you're going to get through this alone. And that's why we tell you to seek advice and counsel of of uh, friends or or somebody that you trust, like your pastor or your your spiritual leaders in your church. Um, it's very yeah. interesting. I I thank you for that, John. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you've really you you've really spoken into this uh, so well today, tonight, and I thank you. I thank you too. I, I can't believe our time is um, up. I'm going to have to. Uh, well, I just think we're going to have to have you back on um, before we're done. We got we we're in step four now, so we've got a ways to go yet. We got another eight weeks at least. So. Um, this will this will be fun, and uh, uh, so I promised everybody, Jen, that I would I would tell them. Uh, let me tell us how old you are at, at this point. So I, I I have to fulfill that. How old are you? Well, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, you used to say, "Well, I'm seven and a half," or "I'm seven and I'm almost eight." Well. I'm 86 and a half, almost 87. <laughs> okay. All right. And you were on staff at uh, Capo, Capo Beach Church, and uh, you got a full schedule. And um, are you going to retire when you get to heaven, or are you just going to keep on going? Oh, no. No. I mean, look how good life has been here. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like there. I'm not going to miss a trick. I'm afraid to go to bed at night. I'll miss something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, heaven, 
can't be just sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Oh, I mean, oh, no. doesn't that sound awfully boring? No, I tell you, people are very much interested in heaven right now. Amazon's got over 350 books written about heaven. That's an upswing from okay. five years ago up, uh, when there was only 30. Well, no kidding. Wow. Yep. Well, maybe maybe that'll be our next topic when we finish this one. That's very interesting. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to talk to you some about that in the future. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. This was so helpful. And uh and I do have to ask, will you, will you come on with us again if we can uh, if we can work it out? Yeah, I I would enjoy that very much, John. Um okay. you know, I there is a there is a quote unquote gospel that goes with this conversation uh that we've had uh, tonight and I just love to spread it. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for spreading it here uh, and sharing it with us uh, tonight. Um, God bless you. Keep on going. And um, uh, we'll be in touch. Okay? Okay, John. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. That that was too much, huh? I told you you were going to like this guy. Um, isn't he great? 87 years old. You should hear the stories about his life too. Um, maybe, maybe when this is all over, we'll just have him up on and we'll just talk about Jens and what he's been through because he's been through an awful lot, uh, to get to where he is today. But boy, um, you know, 87 and, uh, going strong. And, uh, that's because, you know, he doesn't have to. Well, he has to because of who he is and who God made him to be and because his heart is so big and uh, because he believes so much in uh, in recovery. And uh, he's he's involved in, in helping uh, hundreds of people uh, do this very thing. So keep up with us. We are... Uh, we're gonna we're in step four this week, and Jen's has told us this is a big one, and I think I, other people have told me that this is the big one uh, in terms of of uh, making a a fearless moral inventory, taking inventory uh, with ourselves, and boy, uh, realizing like we learned tonight, that uh, we probably know the least about ourselves of anybody. And, uh, boy, what a – I'm going to have to sit with that one for a while. So um, stay with us. Keep reading the catch. And uh, we're, we've got more guests coming up in line. We're going to have Steve Arterburn soon. Um, we've got some very interesting people lining up here uh uh, we have a guy uh, going to be on next week um, whose name is Dave uh, uh, Boy Carden, I believe, and he's from uh, Evangelical Pre-Fullerton Church where uh, Swindoll used to be. And um, well, I, this week he's been on Focus on the Family twice and because he's got a book uh, – just coming out on addiction. And so he is uh, 
and on sexual addiction. So especially with all this stuff that's been happening lately in the news uh, about uh, women being singled out and being abused from a point of power um, in the, in the marketplace, uh, boy, he's, he's, uh, his book apparently is uh, a lot about this. So um, he's going to be our guest next week. So there's a lot of good stuff coming. Don't miss this. Spread the word. Uh, let's get some more people uh, benefiting uh, on this great conversation. God bless you. Uh, keep on keeping on. And, uh, you know, don't, don't miss out. <laughs>